Okay, hello, we are back and today we are going to be looking at the church of Thyatira. This is the fourth church out of the seven churches that Jesus um, addresses in chapters 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation. And um, if you have been following along and you have gone through the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna and the church of Pergamum, I think that you would be able to agree that this is not necessarily warm, fuzzy in my heart kind of teaching. Um, this is a little bit more challenging. We are pointing out things that are going hopelessly wrong within these churches. And the goal and the heart is that we would be able to maybe identify things within ourselves that we need to tweak and change as well. In every one of these letters, Jesus says, to him who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, in my understanding, I'm not only reading this in my Bible, but I'm hearing this. And therefore, the message that God is speaking to each of these churches is a message that he would want me to hear as well. It would have been very easy for the letters to the seven churches to be omitted from the book, from the book of um, Revelation or even taken out of the canon of Scripture. And so the fact that it's in here means that it is in here for a reason. And I pray that we would be men and women of God who are not just surface level anymore. I don't know about you, but I personally feel like we don't have time anymore. We don't have time just to, to get a message that makes me feel good. We don't have time anymore just to hear things that make my heart flutter a bit. I think it's time where the rubber is hitting the road in our faith on the prophetic timeline, and we just need to go deeper than ever before. I think it's time for us to really, really actively weed out the things in our lives that the enemy has maybe been holding against us us or using against us. I think it's time, you know, where we're no longer um, drinking milk in our faith, but we are ravenously eating meat. And um, I don't know about you, but I just feel this hunger and um, a passion like never before that I just want the Lord to, to do whatever it is he needs to do in me. I know we say this so much. We say, Lord, use me. Lord, prune me. Lord, mold me. Lord, shape me. And the minute we feel a little bit of um, pressure or pain, we kind of like, that must be the enemy. And I just think we're entering into a time where enough is enough. And we need to be willing to have messages like this that actually really hit our, heart, our hearts hard. Um, God wants us to be the very best version of ourselves that we can be. And sometimes that means he actually has to excavate our lives and he prunes us and, um, you know, he, he molds and he shapes us. And that isn't always a very nice feeling, but it does produce the very best in us. And so I pray that we would have hearts that are open and submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit so that he can do what he wants to do in and through us. So over the last few weeks, we have looked at the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus 
a big famous church in a big famous city and the church of Ephesus was also unfortunately known as the loveless church they were a church that were busy about the kingdom busy about the father's business but they had forgotten that actually more than the business and more than the things um, our intimate passionate love of Jesus is actually the thing that matters the most. And so Jesus commends the church for all that they're doing, but he encourages them to come back to their first love, which is him. The church of Smyrna, this is the only church out of the seven that did not receive um, a, a correction as such. And the church of Smyrna was also known as the persecuted church. And this is a small little church that is considered to be quite poor, yet Jesus sees them as being quite rich because they're rich in their faith and in their joy and in their love for him. And instead of Jesus challenging the church in an area, he actually brings a warning to them, a warning of something that is about to come and in the face of great persecution one of their congregants is actually going to be put to jail but Jesus says this will be for a limited time this will be the work of the enemy but for a limited time and so in that trial hold fast and stand firm and that is the message to the church of Smyrna be faithful continue to be faithful even amidst persecution and in hard times and in difficult seasons, be faithful, remain faithful. And then last week we looked at the Church of Pergamum. Church of Pergamum, also known as the Compromising Church. And this church is also doing great things. This church is actually situated in Pergamum, where Jesus says that he knows that Satan has his throne in this city. And so this, you can imagine, is a city that is rife with sin and compromise and, and a demonic stronghold. And it would have been very, very difficult to be a, a solid, believer in a city like this and Jesus says he knows he gets it he sees how difficult it is but that's no excuse for compromise and unfortunately in the church of Pergamum it's not even everybody it's just some some within the church of Pergamum have started holding to teachings that is actually um, compromising the fullness of the gospel and so Jesus challenges those who are compromising in their belief, but he also challenges the rest of the congregation, the, the people who know that this is going on and yet have done nothing to address it or change it. And so Jesus challenges both groups. And unless they can come to a place of repentance, he will judge the entire church which is very sad and it's a, a massive eye-opener for us because Jesus is not going to judge me based on what my, my neighbor has done, but he will judge me based on how I helped my neighbor. How did I help my neighbor? Did I correct? Did I bring loving correction to people when I knew that they were doing things wrong? Or did I allow them to grow in their, their wrong doings and in their sin? So today we are doing the Church of Thyatira, and this was actually the corrupt church. Last week, we looked at the compromising church. Today, we're looking at the corrupt church. So Thyatira was actually would have been the smallest of all of the churches in this region. And Thyatira was also an important city for trade and for business. I want you just to keep in mind that of all the churches that we've done already, they've all been in pretty influential cities for that time. 
um, they weren't kind of like middle of nowhere backstreet churches. They were churches that were established in, in thriving and big cities that had a great influence. And so if you're a church in an influential city, um, you have got a great opportunity and a great responsibility. And so that is, I think, why Jesus chose these churches, not just for their, the issues that they were facing and undergoing, but also because of their location and what they were able to bring and the responsibility and the opportunity that they had. So Thyatira was a trade city and it was known for its trade and its business. If you read in the book of Acts chapter 16, we read of one of the very early church members, a woman by the name of Lydia. Lydia was very wealthy and it said that she died, um, she used purple to dye things. So that speaks of her wealth and her affluence. And so Lydia was actually from the city of Thyatira. Now Thyatira, being that it was a city for trade and business, um, guilds guilds were actually very common in the city of Thyatira so if you consider kind of like um trade unions um it was something similar that was set up in the city of Thyatira so if you imagine you've got goldsmiths and coppersmiths and dyers and all these different groups of people they all had these little guilds so exactly like a um a union so exactly like a union the difference between our unions today and the guilds of that day was theirs was very much steeped in religion and worship and so each guild would choose a god and they would worship and honor that god and um, bring offerings to it and hold feasts in honor of that god so the coppersmiths might you know worship a certain deity and the dyers would worship a certain deity and the goldsmiths would worship a certain deity and so every every guild worshiped a different kind of god and there is no mention actually in the book of sorry in the letter of Thyatira there is actually no mention of persecution religious or political for the church or for believers the only thing specifically that Jesus addresses in the church of Thyatira was corruption within the church and you can read about the church of Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2 verses 18 through to 29. Okay so similar to the church of Pergamum when Jesus introduced himself you kind of knew something was coming this wasn't just going to be like a I love you I miss you thank you for everything letter but you could kind of tell that this would be a letter that would pack a punch and would come with a with a bit of a challenge and things to address and change similar to the church for the church of Thyatira Jesus introduces himself as the words of the son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze the way that you introduce someone says a lot about that person this is the first of the letters that speaks of Jesus as the son of God so this shows his deity and his authority. And I think he is coming to put the church of Thyatira in their place. Remember, this is a corrupt church. 
this is his church. Remember all the way back from the beginning when we spoke about the introduction of these letters, Jesus is amongst the candlesticks. He is in charge of the churches. He is the head of the church. He is the center of the church and he does not want any part of his church or his body to be corrupt. So you know that Jesus is kind of, I don't want to say, but like pulling rank here a little bit. He is the son of God. And so he is reminding the church of Thyatira who he is, the authority that he has, and the fact that he is also a deity. He is not just a man. He is not just a carpenter's son. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so the two characteristics that Jesus uses in this letter to introduce himself was that his eyes were like blazing fire. These are not kind and gentle eyes. Although I'm certain Jesus' eyes are kind and gentle, fire is associated with judgment. And so Jesus is looking at his church in judgment. He's looking at the church to judge the church because he is fed up with what is going on in the church. Jesus will judge his body before he judges the world. And so he is looking at Thyatira. He is looking at this corruption, not you know, meekly and like, let me just turn a blind eye to it. He is honing in because he wants to make right what is wrong and he wants to sift out this corruption and actually put an end to it. So Jesus is looking with blazing eyes at his church. It's his church. And then it says that his feet are like burnished bronze. Bronze, remember, was the hardest and most durable of metals in the ancient world. And it went through a very intense purification process of refinement to make it pure. And so Jesus is both durable and he is refined. He is both steadfast and he is pure. Jesus has gone through the ultimate refining fire. And what came out was pure gold. He is perfection. And so Jesus is pure and he is steadfast. Unlike the gods that were worshipped in Thyatira, unlike the different deities and little g gods, Jesus will last. Jesus is eternal and Jesus is real. Here we have so many people in these cultures worshipping things made with their own hands. It's fake. It's it's crazy. And so Jesus is reminding the, the, the church of Thyatira, don't be consumed by these crazy false gods. I am the son of God. I have stood the test of time. I am, you know, I'm outside of the realm of time. I created time. I am steadfast and I am true and I am pure and I am righteous and I am looking at you with judgment because I want the very best for you and I'm going to pull out all the stuff that you have allowed to corrupt my body with. And so this is how Jesus introduces himself to the church of Thyatira. So you know it's going to be an epic letter if Jesus starts this way. So things that are going well. And I love this. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I feel like Jesus was the inventor of the um, encouragement sandwich because he, he champions us first. He champions us and then he challenges us and then he gives us a promise. He is awesome, awesome, awesome. And I think if you are a parent, if you are a leader, if you are overseeing anybody, I think we can really take lesson from this. 
when we need to bring correction, whether that's to our children, whether that's to our staff, whether that's to people we are leading or people we are overseeing. No one likes to bring correction, really. I mean, I'm sure that people, I don't like it, but let's learn from the way Jesus did it. And this is not um, shallow. It's not um, pretentious. It's just, it's actually holistic and beautiful because we want to pull the best out in people, but we want to keep pulling the best out of people. And so sometimes that means we have to challenge. And so Jesus says this, I know your works. So again, here we have a church, though they be corrupt, they are still working for the Lord and they are doing, and they're busy about his kingdom. Jesus says that their love, their faith, their service and their perseverance are things that he sees and he knows. I mean, they're one up on the Church of Ephesus. They've got love. Church of Ephesus didn't. It says, or Jesus says that they're actually even doing more than what they did at first. So according to our standards, this is a great way to measure success, really. They're not just doing like one feeding scheme. They may be doing five now. And they're not just supporting like one missionary, they're supporting 10. Like they have grown in their works. They have grown in what they're doing. This is the ultimate. Like how, how great is that? You know, healthy things grow, right? So surely there's health if what they're doing is growing and multiplying and they're seeing more stuff done. It's awesome. Despite the fact that they are considered the most insignificant or the, the smallest of the churches, Jesus knows them, he sees them, and he knows what they've done. And I'm just going to pause there for a second to encourage you. If you are feeling small, if you are seeing, if you are feeling insignificant, if you are feeling overlooked, if you are feeling forgotten about, if you are feeling like whatever you're doing in life is not good enough and you've missed the mark and you're just in a season of maybe blah. Can I just encourage you? Take heart. Take heart because Jesus sees everything that you're doing and you are seen by the creator of heaven and earth. If you are feeling low and insignificant and like a failure and you're not doing enough, well, firstly, that's a lie. So don't allow the lies of the enemy to penetrate your heart and take root there. So those are lies. But even in the midst of that, Jesus knows and he sees you and he is pleased with you. And so be encouraged by that. So they're doing good. They're growing in their works. They're working hard for the kingdom of God. They're doing so well. However, despite all their good, they have compromised. And this is how they have compromised. They have allowed and tolerated a woman within their church whom Jesus calls Jezebel. Now, I don't know if this is was her actual name or if God uses the name Jezebel because we easily can identify the name Jezebel with Jezebel from Kings. And we know that Jezebel was a wicked, evil woman who hated the things of God. She was immoral. She was corrupt. She worshiped other gods. So maybe this woman's name was actually Jezebel, unfortunately, or maybe this was just because when Jesus says Jezebel, that's what we associated with. But whatever the case, the church of um, Thyatira have tolerated Jezebel. They have tolerated this woman named Jezebel who has brought corruption to the church. 
Jezebel in this account calls herself a prophet. She calls herself a prophet. Now, I always find this a little bit funny. Maybe it's just me, but I always do find it a little bit funny when someone refers to themselves as a prophet. But Jesus warns that many false prophets would come and that many false prophets would deceive in his name. Matthew 24 verse 11. You can look that up. Jezebel seems to be one of these prophets, these false prophets who've come and who comes to deceive in the name of Jesus. And so she uses, it seems that she has used her position of influence to encourage and influence others into sexual sin. The reality is that any form of leadership within the body of Christ whether you are the senior pastor, whether you are an elder, whether you are just a greeter or a host or whatever it is that you do in the body of Christ, any kind of leadership role carries with it a very great and incredible responsibility, a call which we must steward well. Whether you are standing on a Sunday morning, giving the sermon and encouraging people, whether you are leading people in worship or whether you are just someone up the back who no one will ever know and you hold the, the service together in prayer, we all carry a tremendous responsibility. And as leaders, we need to be so careful that we are not leading people away from truth because it is very, very easy to do this deliberately and unintentionally. It is so easy to allow people to be led off course because of what we do or what we say or how we live. And so Jesus addresses this in Jezebel, this woman Jezebel. Jesus has given Jezebel time to repent. I'm going to read it because I just want you to hear. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Jesus has extended grace upon grace upon grace to this woman. He has rattled her and shaken her and called out to her and warned her to repent and repent and repent, but she is not willing to do so. The Lord will always extend mercy to us. It's who he is. It's what he does. He extends his grace and he extends his mercy, but the time to repent is now. We've all met someone who said, oh, you know what? <clears throat> I'll get my life right with Jesus. Like, you know, when I'm older, I'm just sowing my wild oats now, or I'm doing what I want to do now. We have no guarantee of life. We don't know the day we will breathe our last. And so it is too dangerous and it's too risky to put off repentance and to put off Jesus for tomorrow because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. The time to repent, the time to come to the Lord, the time to turn to Jesus is now. For Jezebel, her time of mercy and her time of grace was not unlimited. You know, we think that grace is unlimited. You know, God's grace never ends. It doesn't. God's grace doesn't end. But sometimes he actually gives in to what we want. And sometimes what we want is not his best for us. And it's not what he wants for us. And so in the case of Jezebel, it seems like the father's heart has gone, you know what? I have tried so hard with this woman. I have shown up in her face. I have shaken her. I have whispered in her ear and she, she just doesn't want it. So because I am a good father and I give people free will, well, 
I'm going to give her the free will to choose and she has not chosen me. You know, it is the Holy Spirit who convicts us and it is the Holy Spirit who calls us to repentance. Um, and therefore, by refusing to turn her ways, every time she felt that conviction of the Holy Spirit and brushed it off because she knew better, Every time the Holy Spirit whispered in her ear and challenged her to turn her ways and she just blocked her ears and couldn't be bothered, every time she rejected that, she was rejecting the Holy Spirit. Judgment would come for Jezebel as well as for those who committed adultery with Jezebel, spiritual adultery and physical adultery. And the judgment for Jezebel and for these people was literal affliction. Jesus does not cause sickness, but he can and he will use it. In fact, in the case of Thyatira, he would use it as an example to the other churches. You know, I say this cautiously, and um, here we have a woman named Jezebel who was obviously very immoral and a very sexual being. We know today because of, you know, just because we've come a bit further in terms of um, stuff, that it is dangerous to have multiple, multiple sexual partners and not have any kind of um, protection. You can develop sickness and illness and different things. That's not God causing you to get sick. That's through lack of wisdom and allowing yourself to be put in a situation that God never wanted you to be put in in the first place. So Jezebel literally getting sick might not have been, well, I don't believe for a moment God would have like gone, Jezebel be sick, but through her lifestyle, through her constant lifestyle of making choices that was not only dishonoring to God, but dishonoring to herself, she became sick. And God would use this sickness as an example to the other churches, as an example to us that we should heed. And, um, this is the beautiful, complex thing about God is that he has given us free will. He cannot force our hand. And the more and more we reject his conviction, the more and more we just turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to him, we will unfortunately fall into and he will give us into the desires of our hearts, which is not his desire for us. So it seems dismal and it seems terrible but Jesus does not leave us there. And so just like the other churches, Jesus gives the church of Thyatira an opportunity to change their ways. And this, once again, it is so easy. Like, could it be any easier? Despite the fact that Jezebel has completely derailed the church and caused so much corruption within the church, it's as easy as repent. That's all Jesus asks. Just repent. That's all he asks. Can you even believe that? I feel like there must be something we're missing. But all Jesus wants is when we have an acknowledgement of what we have done wrong, a true, true, true understanding of our wrongdoing. And we humbly surrender that to the Lord asking for his forgiveness and making a deliberate choice to turn and do something different, to live differently. That is true repentance. And that is all God asks of us. So to the church of Thyatira, repent, 
And for those who have not compromised, he is now dressing the few in the church who've somehow made it through without compromise. He asks and he encourages them to hold firm. Hold firm until I come. Hold firm. If you are listening to this and you have lived your life without compromise and you have just Hold firm to the word of God your whole life. You have not compromised physically, sexually, emotionally, mentally in any way. Hold firm. I know that it's hard, but hold firm. And if you have lived your life with compromise as an option, repent. It is so easy. Don't you love Jesus? Don't you just love how easy the Father makes it for us. He doesn't give us 300 hoops that we have to jump through. And when you jump through the 300th hoop, he decides to add 300 more. He's, he loves us. His heart is for us. More than anything, he wants us to be in relationship with him. So he makes it so easy. Repent and hold firm. Again, to, the, to, to he, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so I am speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to each of us. If we have lived our life in a way of compromise, listen and come back, repent. If you have not, keep holding firm. Keep holding firm because he is coming. And um, I just want to say this. If you are leading people in any capacity, and this is moms and dads as well, you know, parenting is leading. We are leading our children in the ways of the Lord and how to navigate life and um, a myriad of different things. So this is to anyone. If you are leading people, take it seriously. If you are leading people into sin, if you know that you are leading people into sin right now, Take this letter seriously. If you are following someone who you know is leading you astray, take this letter seriously. If you permit someone to be leading corruptly, take this letter seriously. And if you are faithful and diligent, take this letter seriously. This is a serious letter to a serious church about a serious issue. God cannot and will not handle corruption in his body. And so to the promise, the promise to the overcomer, because God is faithful and he rewards those who diligently seek after him. And this is what he says, to the one who is victorious and who does my will to the end, authority over nations. How amazing is that? Those who have stood with Jesus, those who have stood against immorality, they will reign with Jesus Christ in the millennial kingdom and he will give them nations to lead. What a beautiful promise. The reality is in the, the millennial kingdom, Jesus will come and he will rule and reign as the King of kings and the, and the Lord of lords. He will set up for himself a kingdom on earth a literal physical kingdom on earth in which he will rule and reign and he asks us to rule and reign with him. So those who have been victorious over immorality, those who have stood firm and fast in purity of faith, he will ask to lead and rule over nations. What an amazing, amazing promise. And Jesus also says, I will also give that one the morning star. 
the morning star. Jesus offers them the very best reward that one could ever receive. Greater than a title, greater than ruling over a kingdom, greater than manna or a white stone, Jesus offers himself because Jesus is the great morning star. And so he says to the one who overcomes, I will give myself to you. That is the ultimate gift that any one of us will ever be able to receive. You know, the reality is I often think about my mansion in heaven and the gems and the jewels and the crowns and the everything that I'm hoping by my good deeds I'm collecting in heaven. The reality is one day when I see all that stuff in comparison to my beautiful Jesus, I won't want any of it. I will, I, I will lay that down at his feet. Everything that I have worked for, I will lay at his feet. And I know that that will be the case for all of us. We will lay everything down at his feet because all we will want is him. All we will want is to be in the presence of our savior, night and day, night and day, except there won't be any nighttime in heaven, which is exciting. So I know that that is, I've said this every letter, a very hard letter. It's a lot to digest. It is, um, it's, it's a lot to take in and I pray that you will prayerfully go through each of these letters and really just allow them to marinate in your mind and in your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to keep working and, and I pray that um, with the Church of Thyatira, maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you areas of your life that he has been pushing on and pushing on and you've just kind of been ignoring. Don't be like Jezebel. Jesus says her time has run out. Her time's up. I never want to get to a place with the Lord where he says of me, well, I tried and her time ran out. Her grace, there was a, the grace was done. And so I pray maybe spend a few days and ask the Lord, God, what is it that I need to continue to work on? God, what is it that you are pushing in me? God, what, what are the areas where your conviction has become dull because of my ignoring you? And then can I encourage you, repent. He loves you. He wants the very best for you. He disciplines and prunes those who he loves because he is a very, very good father.